So we are really proud of our 60 day Sprint peripheral nerve stimulation system that is in its use for just 60 days. And it is then removed after those 60 days. But the data has shown that about 70% of patients will have significant relief, not only during the 60 days, but for many months to years after the 60 days. The Medical Alley podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. MentorMate empowers healthcare clients to deliver on their mission and transform the human experience through technology. For over 20 years, clients have trusted MentorMate to guide their vision, design innovative products, and build secure solutions while understanding the specific nuances of their industry. MentorMate's global team in the U.S., Eastern Europe, and Latin America helps clients in all sectors of healthcare transform their organizations. From Fortune 500 pharmaceutical companies and commercial payers to hospital systems, medical device manufacturers, and beyond. Learn more at mentormate.com healthcare. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone out there in Medical Alley. This is your host, Frank Jaskolke, on another episode of the Medical Alley podcast. We're continuing our semi-regular series on pain and pain management, this time with Maria Bennett, who's the president, CEO, and founder of SPR Therapeutics, a longtime Medical Alley member uh, that's been working in the pain management space for a number of years. Maria, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Well, thank you, Frank. I really appreciate you all um, including us in this series on pain and just all the support from Medical Alley. So thank you so much for having us participate. Indeed. And, you know, I, I'd read that uh, you all recently achieved a pretty significant milestone with 20,000 patients treated. How does that feel and uh, how long has it taken to get to that point? Yeah, it feels really amazing. Um, so our goal here at SBR has always been a very patient-centric uh, focus in which the reason we're here is to improve the lives of pain sufferers with our Sprint peripheral nerve stimulation technology. Um, as far as how long it's taken to get here, I started this work and the idea behind the proprietary technology back in my graduate studies at Case Western um, Reserve University in Cleveland uh, back in the late 90s. So it's, uh, you know, I had some stops and starts along the way and worked for a couple different organizations since that time, but uh, picked it back up in about 2009, 2010, and did some validation work in the pain space and really saw an unmet need for a solution that was non-opioid, non-destructive, not implantable, that could be used early in the pain treatment continuum to treat multiple different types of pain. So we embarked on a mission to um, carry this product forward all the way from benchtop and an idea in academia to now, you know, commercializing the device back in about 2016 when we got our FDA clearance, and then ultimately now treating over 20,000 patients across the U.S. Wow. So it's really um, just a wonderful feeling and is something that drives us here on a day-to-day -day basis. And what we all know is a challenging industry to be in, right. um, in the device industry, but to achieve that milestone is very rewarding. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that is fantastic to hear. And kudos for the persistence to bring 
you know, such an important treatment option to patients. And you mentioned challenging. MedTech is challenging indeed. And you're in one of the most challenging parts of it in the pain space. Maybe for our audience who isn't as familiar, could you just talk a little bit about the the pain management space, what what exists, what's out there, and what do we know about pain? What, why is it so challenging to treat effectively? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so I think uh, we know a lot and we probably don't know as much as we want to know. And so we continue to learn as we um, develop new technologies and new treatments and partner with our healthcare professionals, those interventional pain specialists that are out in the field treating these patients on a daily basis. And what we know um, or what we believe as far as the science and the mechanism as to what causes pain is that if there's an injury or if there's a disease that impacts a nerve, um, those are nerves that carry both pain causing um, fibers as well as pain relieving fibers. And so, you know, the simplest example is that you slam your you know, thumb with a hammer and what do you do immediately? You you know, start to rub that thumb. So you're what you're trying to do is, you know, calm down the overactivity or those pain causing fibers that's occurred because of that injury um, that has occurred. So what happens if we don't get ahead of that pain or try to treat that pain is that those negative signals or that um, pain causing signals are feeding this negative feedback to the brain. And over time, that brain feels as though our brain feels as though it's in the state of chronic pain. And so unless there's some sort of intervention or treatment to cause down or reset that negative feedback to the brain, the pain will continue. So what our product does and what other products do that are in the neuromodulation space is that we target the pain-relieving fibers to send positive signals now to the brain to calm down that overactivity of those negative signals and reset it into that healthy state, into a balanced state that then can become you know, pain-relieving for that patient. So it's a, it's a complex problem, and many times patients, when they're referred for their pain treatments, are referred initially for things such as physical therapy or exercise. But it's hard for patients to be compliant with those types of therapies because they're painful, and it's hard to you know do those exercises many times. So that's when interventions come into play, um, in which we could you know really try to relieve the pain for the patients so that they can become active again, can participate in physical therapy exercises um, that will ultimately help them relieve the pain long term. So we are really proud of our 60-day sprint peripheral nerve stimulation system. That is, again, it's used for just 60 days, and it is then removed after those 60 days. But the data has shown that about 70% of patients will have significant relief not only during the 60 days, but for many months to years after the 60 days. So it's something that is really an option for patients that could be used, again, early in the treatment continuum prior to maybe other technologies or other procedures um, that more, are more invasive. Um, so we're really, you know, we, I think we've found an unmet need and are understanding more and more the science. And I think when you ask the question about what do we know about pain right. and then how do we really validate what we're doing is working is that, you know, we have a theory around the science that I just, you know, described, hopefully that made sense. Um, and then we marry that with the data, the clinical data that we capture and really prove out the outcomes. And we're seeing those outcomes, not only in prospective 
clinical trials. We also recently published a data set of over 6,000 patients that use the device commercially, uh-huh. and it mirrored what we saw in our controlled clinical trials. So that's very compelling. And, right. um, you know, but there's a lot more that we need to learn and uh, happy to answer, you know, additional questions on that topic as it makes sense. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, the you mentioned uh, non-implantable, non-opioid, mm-hmm. and that it, but it also still provides durable relief even after the treatment or the device is removed. How are the doctors reacting to that? Is this tra- changing their prescribing behavior or kind of their treatment pathways? Yes, um, it has been a educational journey for us yeah. um, with with our healthcare professionals and partners because historically um, neuromodulation has been in the form factor of an implantable device right. and been believed to have to be on all the time to experience pain relief for those patients. What we found in the design of our technology and then how we've been able to use it in patients is by targeting the specific nerves that are causing the pain. So for example, take interoperable shoulder pain. Um, We are targeting specific nerves in that shoulder with our fine wire lead, and we are then able to focus and stimulate the nerve that is causing the pain and then provide this pain relieving effect. Other implantable technologies have been more diffuse because they've targeted either the spinal cord or the DRG or something that's more centrally located versus in the periphery. So because of that focal and robust stimulation that we're delivering to that target nerve, we are able to see this changing effect as far as the long lasting effect after 60 days after the device is is removed. So there were a lot of head scratching in the beginning with our healthcare professionals, a lot of doubts and skepticism. Um, But as I mentioned, as we have proved it out through our clinical trials and through the commercial use, they now, you know, really understand and have partnered um, very willingly you know, with us, so to speak, mm-hmm. as far as introducing a new technology, a neuromodulation technology earlier in the treatment continuum. Um, and we have some great um, academic partners and physicians that have you know, done these studies with us and uh, ensured that we're capturing the outcomes that are going to move the needle for them as far as believing in the technology and demonstrating not only pain relief amongst their patients, but also improvement of quality of life. So those more objective pain measures that really show, okay, yes, you're telling me that your pain reduced perhaps from an eight to a four or eight to a two, but now are you sleeping better? Are you walking? Are you getting, you know, are you more productive? Are you going back to work? So all of those things we have included as well in our studies. And we really see the commercial adoption and the demand now for the product and using neuromodulation again earlier in the treatment continuum. It, it sounds like a very robust post-market program. Has that helped on the payer side as well? Or what, yeah. what's been the payer reception to this technology? Yeah, great question. So market access and, you know, payer coverage and payer policies, it's uh, the biggest challenge, of course, in our industry, not unique to us. And it, um, unfortunately, there are many older policies that exist today that have a confusing language, so to speak, of peripheral nerve stimulation. Um, because up until really the 
kind of when we commercialized in 2016 and around that same time, a few other peripheral nerve stimulation products came onto the market, there were older policies that spoke to whether it was PNS or PENS technologies, field uh-huh. stimulation, et cetera. So just recently, um, we had a publication that Dr. Tim Deere uh, was the lead author on that was called Birds of a Feather, and it uh, delineates these different types of peripheral stimulation so that we can be very clear to the payers what has been studied, what has been shown to be effective, and then ultimately, you know, hopefully what can be written into future policies to be paid for. So it's been an educational process on that front as well. But to your point, the real world evidence um, is certainly a tool in our toolbox so in, in conversation with the payers, as well as we have an ongoing large prospective uh, double-blinded randomized controlled trial in low back pain that um, is really a unique low back pain opportunity. It's not the same back pain market that um, the spinal cord stimulation devices are treating or other technologies. It's really that non-surgical virgin back. And so it's a new market and new opportunity and it's the largest segment of what we're treating. And this 230 patient trial will help us to support market access as well. So we're fortunate that there's an existing code and the payment on that code continues to increase because we believe the payers are ultimately seeing the benefit Mm -hmm. of um, peripheral nerve stimulation in the market. And now the challenge is continuing educating the payers on those coverage policies and what data we have to support ultimate coverage. Well, I have to say, I really appreciate that you're taking that approach, that the you're building the evidence up, you're driving the adoption, you, you're doing things clearly the, the right way. And it's something that I've been very happy to see across the pain industry, so much new evidence being generated to really establish where there are beneficial therapies that can help a condition that has been debilitating for so many millions of people mm-hmm. where the, the options have been you know, kind of poor, right? Like mm-hmm. opioids have their place, but they're generally not something a person wants to be on for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. So just, I appreciate the work you're doing. Thank you. And I'd be curious, you know, so now you're commercial, the company's growing. Mm-hmm. What about you as a leader and as the team itself? You, know, you went from you know starting with the idea back in grad school, developing a company, growing a pre-commercial company, now commercial. How have you changed during this journey? Yeah, that's I could unpack that in a lot of different ways, Frank. But I, I think that um, you know, so starting as a you know, first employee in the organization with an idea to really impact patients' lives, and then now to see where we are in an organization of over 250 people across, you know, we're headquartered here in Cleveland, but we do have our offices in Minneapolis, um, which with predominantly our marketing team, our professional education team, and our market access and patient access teams. Um, And then we also have an office in Chapel Hill, which really houses our research and development resources coming out of the research triangle, of course, and a lot of our scientists and um, product development and clinical study work um, out of there. So to see that growth and not only the company size, but what has truly been, I believe, the secret of our success 
to navigating this challenging you know, industry and this um, growth experience is our culture. And a lot of companies, I think, and leaders will speak to culture, but we have been really rooted in a company credo that our VP of regulatory and quality came to me about during COVID actually in about 2020, 2021 and said, I think we could really benefit from a company credo. And I said, okay, well, let's take a look and see what that would speak to. And first and foremost, it's about, you know, putting patients first and where whatever the role is within the organization, we ultimately are impacting a patient's life and their family's lives and their friends' lives. And so thinking and grounding ourselves in that core aspect of our credo is paramount. And then also our partnership with our healthcare professionals and then ultimately our team and our values amongst the team and empowering communication and transparent communication so that we can navigate all the twists and turns that this industry may bring our way and try to be ahead of those uh, twists and turns. So it's um, something that, you know, I think as a leader, I am very proud that our culture has been able to be maintained through our explosive growth. Um, We've doubled in size in just the last 12 months. And so that period of growth brings, of course, its challenges, but it also brings opportunity of bringing on um, resources that, as our chairman taught me, that are always better than us. And so with new ideas and new experiences that can make us more efficient at what we're doing as an organization. So getting really proud of what we've built and um, proud of how we really do you know, resonate with our credo um, so much that we recently had an all-company meeting in which we had both physicians, uh, partners, and customers come, as well as patients come and tell their patient story. Uh-huh. And, you know, I get chills even just, you know, thinking about these patient stories and, you know, then all of our employees being able to hear those stories and the impact that their day-to-day work, their hard work has had in those patients' lives to the point that one of the patients that participated in the panel had excruciating knee pain for just several, several years and was impacting his ability to work. He was, you know, taking opioids. He was trying all different types of therapies, ultimately got sprint, ultimately had significant pain relief. And that evening when we brought the company together for dinner and, you know, celebration, he was on the dance floor with us. Uh So um, that was, I love to dance. And so that was really special to me too. (laughs) And, um, you know, that picture of him on the dance floor with us and our employees, um, and it was just, uh, just you know, that one of those wow moments of like, okay, this is really why we're all here. That yeah, that is everything right there. Yeah. and it, it is so well said, and I'm so glad that you're reinforcing that from the top. I think everyone in the industry, we get it. Like that is why we're here. Mm-hmm. But it's still so important to refresh and remind ourselves of it because we we get caught up in the day to day work, we get buried in things, and making sure we stay connected to the fundamental idea that this is about helping people live better lives is so important. Yes, absolutely. You mentioned uh, being based in Cleveland, mm-hmm. and I, I think a number of our listeners may not be familiar that the the Ohio community, Ohio is a state, but Cleveland in particular has had quite a med tech industry develop um, over the last, I'd say about 20 years, at least that I've been around it. Could you tell our listeners a bit about 
the Cleveland area medtech community and what's been going on? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. So, um, yeah, so I came to Cleveland for graduate work at Case Western, as I mentioned, and um, focused on biomedical engineering. And what attracted me to the area was the program that Case had in biomedical engineering because they were developing all different types of technologies and medical devices that would advance um, this, you know, to hopefully the standard of care and ultimately treating really unmet needs. Um, so one group in particular was focused that I was a part of and um, was focused on restoring function in patients that had lost motor function either due to spinal cord injury or to stroke. And so we were, you know, using neurostimulation to restore that function. Um, and ultimately that's where Sprint was born in which we were using it to treat uh, patients that had a stroke and treat their shoulder dysfunction. But the most compelling result that we found out of the research was the impact that we were having on the pain. Um, so it kind of was born out of that area. But beyond that group, um, which was that case, there are multiple other groups within case as well as across Cleveland that have spun out new ideas, partnering with the Cleveland Clinic, partnering with university hospitals that have just advanced biomedical research and advance the science to a point that has carried forward in really strong scientific clinical data to support new technologies. So we're really, it is a hub here and it's nice and centrally, you know, kind of located and um, easy to get to Minneapolis, easy to get to the East Coast. And, and we're able to, you know, attract quite a bit of talent um, to, you know, Cleveland. However, as I mentioned, you know, our, having our satellite offices in Minneapolis and North Carolina um, allows us to attract, you know, talent from those areas as well, right. just in those disciplines. We love seeing that. The yeah. It seems more and more the trend of, you know, even startup companies having a presence in multiple hubs. You've drawn a bigger pool of talent. You have other markets you can access. Mm -hmm. it, it's been fantastic to see the growth here, but also to see the growth in North Carolina, in Ohio, that ultimately is good for the patient, which is why we're all here. Yep, exactly. Last thing I'll ask you, because I think a lot of our listeners will want to be able to find out more. If if our listeners do want to learn more about what the company's up to, where can I direct them? Yeah, so our website has a wealth of information for both physicians and patients. Um, it has a list of all our different publications. We have over 40 peer-reviewed publications that speak to our data. Um, we have different instruments, different, so to speak, of educational material for patients, as well as the patient testimonial stories. So if somebody is suffering from shoulder pain, they can go and hear somebody that has uh, used Sprint and been able to you know, experience pain relief from using Sprint that had shoulder pain. If they have low back pain, then there's you know low back pain stories. If they have knee pain, there's knee pain stories. Um, a new area that we have been exploring is head and neck pain. And that's something that um, we expanded our labeling, our FDA uh, clearance back in the end of um, 2021, excuse me. And we were able to now treat head and neck pain, which is headache and you know all that big you know uh, bucket of different type of pain that uh, patients experience um, throughout their and neck. So there's, you know, stories around that and information around that for patients, as well as just, you know, pictures of the technology, how it's used, procedural videos so that they can get comfortable and talk to their family and talk to their physicians about whether this could be an option for them. So that website can either use our company name, SPR Therapeutics, or also the product name, SprintPNS.com, and they can find out more information um, by going there. Wonderful. And folks, we'll make sure we'll have that in uh, the show notes so that if you want to learn more about it, you can easily track them down. 
And Maria, thank you so much for spending some time on the Medical Alley podcast today. Well, thank you so much, Frank. I really appreciate your questions and allowing us to share our story and our journey with you and uh, look forward to, you know, keeping in touch with all of the great things that Medical Alley is doing. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And folks, that's been another episode of the Medical Alley podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, make sure you get over to medicalalleypodcast.org or you can find us on Apple, Spotify, or now on our YouTube channel. Just search for Medical Alley. And hey, do me a favor. Would you share this episode with at least one other person? It would help spread this story and so many other great stories about the technologies coming out of the Medical Alley community further. I'd really appreciate it. Until next time, have a great day.